Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, IndyCar fans. This is Nathan Brown, your motorsports insider with the Indianapolis Star, here for a season wrap-up edition uh, of IndyCar Weekly. Yes, you are not hearing things. Those are muted sounds of IndyCars in the background. I am currently at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. Uh, Pato Award and Elio Castroneves are finishing up their day of Firestone tire testing on on the IMS Oval, they have things uh, fairly locked up. So I am up in the media center in one of these special podcast booths, actually, that they added uh, after Roger Penske took over a great little addition to our space in the media center, which makes uh, a perfect way to record our discussion this week with co-host Jack Harvey. Uh, driver of the yet-to-be-named car with yet-to-be-named uh, engine manufacturer that we will find out ne- next week. Jack, uh, we're now, I mean, what, it's almost like two weeks removed from the end of the season. I f- It seems like it's been both like a month since we were in Long Beach and also just uh, a couple days. How have you been uh, recovering? Covering and recuperating since our trip to the West Coast. Uh, so honestly, my recuperating is going to kind of start now. Uh, <laughs> by the time we got back from uh, Long Beach, I had a couple of days in India and then actually uh, traveled to the UK to surprise my parents just for a, a quick trip because I haven't seen them very much in the last couple of years, obviously because of COVID. Uh, you know, I had a great time. You know, I got to my parents' house on uh, Saturday afternoon. I was there. You know, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, flew back Wednesday, and then it's been a pretty uh, busy week thus far. Uh, obviously, going to have a very busy start to uh, next week. But um, yeah, it's it's been fun, and uh, I think the 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 recoup, or maybe you know, maybe next week after uh, you know, once it's all been announced, maybe I'll have a slightly relaxing week. You know, just to try and uh, recharge before it's uh, you know we try and push on with all the off season plans. I'm looking forward to one of those, hopefully here before too long, but man, it seems like uh, from a media perspective, we've had announcements left and right. We've had uh, rumors about Andretti and Formula One and two test days this week at IMS. Um, It seems like uh, the, uh, the IndyCar train never, ever stops, but I'm hoping, you know, once we get maybe a couple weeks further down the road, things will start to settle in a little bit. seems like we have a, a good amount of these um, off-season driver team announcements already out there. Um, and as you mentioned, at least one to, uh, to come next week with your news that I know we're all excited to hear more about uh, and lots of things happening on elsewhere in the paddock. But we want Wanted to uh, get a chance, since we hadn't yet, since Alex Pillow was crowned 
uh, champion in Long Beach to take a second uh, to take an episode and just kind of unpack uh, the end of uh, a really incredible IndyCar season um, that we saw come to an end on September 26th. Most of you now probably know how that race went. Colton Herta um, made a great comeback from 14th place uh, to take the checkered flag and earn his third victory overall, second straight uh, to cap this season. And as expected, Alex Pillow held on to his 35-point lead and was crowned uh, champion of the 2021 IndyCar season. Jack uh, climbed from 25th to 7th. We'll start there with your own race. Um, I know it was a disappointing qualifying session for you guys, but uh, uh, a pretty solid race result, I imagine, in the grand scheme of things to cap your um, five-year run with Meyer Shank Racing. Oh, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> qualifying was just my mistake, honestly. Uh, came out of turn five and uh, just caught the wall a little bit and um, honestly didn't really realize that the suspension had broken got through turn six okay and as soon as I turned in for turn eight I realized that uh, probably wasn't going to end too well for me on that particular day and I think the frustrating thing from my side was that we had a we had a lot of pace uh, you know I thought we definitely had the speed to try and you know push to be in the uh, in the fast six so yeah, this is disappointing and, you know, probably not the way, I, definitely not the way I wanted to end, you know, my final qualifying with the team. That being said, we had an incredible recovery. Um, you know, no doubt one of them yellows was favourable for us, but, you know, our in-laps and our out-laps and the pace that we had when we were trying to overcut again, similar to Portland, was just very good. Uh, you know, we were, we were quick and, you know, we managed to uh, keep progressing forward, I think, on the, on the last uh, pit sequence. I think I was just ahead of Will Power at the time. And uh, then, you know, ended up finishing, you know, a decent amount, oh, a couple of spots, sorry, you know, further up than uh, than where he did. So I thought the guys executed a, a fantastic race. And to be honest, I think I put myself under quite a lot of pressure in the last few weekends. It certainly was becoming more apparent, you know, that the time to get results were um, running out, you know, and I just did that way because that's the truth. Um, you know, and maybe Long Beach put myself under too much pressure. Just wanted to get a, a result with that team so so badly that uh, you know, obviously ended up overdriving and crashing. But I felt like the recovery we had was a nice way to close what has been the most incredible journey, you know, chapter of of my life. Obviously, with my Shank racing and not easy to say bye to everybody. Uh, you know, very difficult in fact because. I have a, a great relationship with these uh, people and, you know, I think relationships, the key word. Um, I know a lot of the guys, you know, I know a lot of them. I know their, you know, what they do on the weekends, you know, their, their wives, their kids, you know, their partners, whatever. Uh, and it was hard, but at least we, we were doing that on the back of what I thought was a, a very, very strong final race together. Um, you know, so, yeah, it was a it was a great weekend. Well, it was a good weekend for us. It was a great recovery. I thought everyone did a really great job on Sunday, and um, just want to you know I think that's uh, that's the thing, right? We we just wanted to do those kind of races and those kind of results more. 
thing. Um, what what did you feel about uh, having Long Beach as a season finale? I know me personally. Um, I mean, <laughs> granted, these uh, these last two years, I as a person covering this series have only had uh, two races uh, as season finales that were not supposed to be the finale when we started the season with Long uh, Long Beach this year and St. Pete the year before. Um, but I have to say the street race atmosphere, um, you know, having not been to uh, uh, Laguna Seca, you know, or Sonoma, where the season um, ended before IndyCar went back to Laguna Seca in 2019, really enjoyed uh, just kind of the, the festive atmosphere, um, you know, being in a big relatively big city, uh, you know, a relatively big city outside of a massive city in, in Los Angeles, um, you know, being out in a, a sunny locale, uh, still with the, you know, pretty warm temperatures felt like it was a great place to be. I know it's not necessarily the direction that we will probably go moving forward. Certainly not next year as we've seen the, the 2022 schedule already, but what were some of your, your thoughts and impressions, uh, of, uh, ending the year off in Long Beach like we did? I thought it was really cool. You know, I think it's a, a great venue. I think Long Beach is a very iconic racetrack in North America, uh, you know, especially for the IndyCar series. And you take in what I think was a pretty big event on the calendar and giving it an extra, yeah, giving it extra grandeur, you know, and a bit of extra gravitas, you know, suddenly going to Long Beach isn't just a good time and a, you know, big race that you want to win. There was so much on the line um i think it just added to the event mate honestly i I really thought it was a a great season finale and uh i thought the three races on the west coast back to back to back were a bit much uh i think the you know i I certainly by the end of it was ready to get home uh you know i don't want to speak for a lot of people but i do feel like a lot of people mirrored and echoed those uh feelings that I was having too but I think in terms of just a season finale I thought it was uh you know much better to do it at Long Beach and Laguna Seca so um yeah I think happenstance obviously you know with how that all came together but you know I think sometimes it's nice to uh, shake these things up a little bit and nice that everyone was so flexible to be able to still make it happen because I think it was a, a great race a really exciting end uh you know and everything that we all come to love about the NTT IndyCar series. Yeah, I don't know, you know, like if you start to think about what other street race you could use as a finale moving forward. I know this um, from from talking to uh, the folks that run and operate that race, that this time frame is not really ideal uh, for them from an annual basis. And I know St. Pete really likes using that late winter um early spring date because it coincides a lot with folks that are either uh you know snowbirds that are living there half of the year in sunny florida or uh they're on spring break you know for for college and and uh secondary school spring breaks that start up right around when that race is typically held so i don't know if either of those necessarily make sense from a long-term standpoint Point. I know Nashville wouldn't work just because you start to have conflicts with the the NFL season uh, and running around Nissan Stadium. 
Um, you know, I don't know if necessarily if Toronto or or Detroit necessarily makes sense for that moving forward, but it's it would be great to to entertain. I know um, lots of straight folks right downtown Indy. There you go. I see. I've always thought that would be so incredibly cool. Um, you know, we talk about same, same. the the festive atmosphere that you have in these cities. I mean, what city would embrace a street race more than the the home of uh, you know the the biggest race in the world? I know there'd be worries about you know diluting um, you know what you have going on at at IMS. Uh, moving forward and about, you know, having too many races, uh, you know, in a, in a given area. But I, that thought has indeed crossed my mind before. I mean, this even, you know, when you're not talking about racing, this city is so great for massive events like the Super Bowl or the, uh, the NCAA men's and women's basketball tournaments, the uh, Big Ten uh, football national championship and, and basketball or football conference championship and basketball championships. I mean, the city's holding the national um, college football championship here, I think next uh, January here in just a couple months. That would be something uh, that would be really, really cool to explore. Don't know what that course would look like. Don't know if you could uh, <laughs> like use uh, use Monument Circle in some creative way, uh, potentially, but... That'd be cool. Uh, I will uh, we'll ask Mark Miles and Roger Pinsky about that next time I see, see if that's anything that's ever been uh, been brought up. But yeah, Monterey was... I guess why I feel like that would be a good thing to try and do because uh, IndyCar really shouldn't be a support race. And when we do that second race at IMS on the road course, it obviously it's to support NASCAR. Mm-hmm. I feel like IndyCar is a, a premier series. Um you know, and people go to that weekend probably to watch the NASCAR race, which I think is completely fair. You know, I think there was more people there on uh, on the, for the Sunday race than Saturday. So you're not trying to dilute anything at IMS. I mean, let IMS, you know, be the organizer and the promoters of the race. I think that would be great then to have something and bring motor racing and the feel of the IMS to not just the speedway, you know, and really let that atmosphere, you know, radiate through the city. Mm-hmm. Um, because the month of May in Indianapolis or Indiana as a state is just like a next level kind of, you know, enthusiasm. And I don't want to say fandom, you know, but it, that, that, that there is a passion for the Indy 500 and May in this area that is beyond anything else that I've been a part of. and. I think that would then give some give people something else to look forward to, you know, from the IndyCar paddock, from you know just the uh, the residents of this area, um, you know. So I understand why there's some reservation on doing it, but man, I I just think that would be so incredibly cool. Um, and I think we we run really well at the you know IMS on the road course, by the way. But I still think this would be a a really cool idea because i actually agree with what you said you know i think long beach is maybe the only track that i think races well and you know makes sense really as a, a season finale i thought st pete was was fun um you know but maybe it didn't quite have the same atmosphere as what long beach did and i don't think the long beach date is going to change 
anytime soon other from its uh yeah april um but i think it's normally in march around april right and i don't know i think i think that would be a really cool season finale i think the weather's still good here at that time you know so i think we should action that that sounds great hey uh i'm gonna let you champion that one I, I will do that. And I'll, uh, for our, our listeners to this podcast, I know some folks like to get um, real creative uh, looking at and venting and, uh, and analyzing street course layouts, <laughs> including the uh, Detroit one uh, that, that was proposed a week, week and a half ago that, in my opinion, would, was maybe uh, a little low on the creativity side. Um sure. Uh, <laughs> uh, I would love uh, if, if you folks out there are uh, listening and, and want to propose uh, a, an Indianapolis downtown street race layout, um, drop those in the comments uh, and, you know, or send those, tag us on Twitter if you come up and, and make something like that. would love to see what you guys might think would make sense uh, to incorporate the, the landmarks of of downtown um and uh and everything that downtown indianapolis uh, is about we will uh look forward to seeing some of your guys's creativity and i'll uh see if i can get anything out of uh mark or roger uh on that moving forward um but uh as we mentioned um really interesting race uh was going to be you know setting up for a really great um season title uh fight between really between probably alex pillow and and pato award joseph newgarden was still in the fight uh he he took the the pull on saturday which is everything that he had to do to help keep himself alive uh even though that still left him down i think 47 points heading into sunday but we uh we saw a pretty quick and firm end to any level of suspense that might have existed uh lap one of however many laps that race uh was when uh ed jones got into the back of pato spun him there in turn 11 uh at the hairpin uh pato still was able to to get going and uh looked like he might still be able to you know finish the race and just have to pray for something really wild to happen in terms of yellows uh and the the pace of that race and his car ended up too damaged from that contact to move on i think he bowed out uh around lap 18 or 19 or so made a couple laps uh of a run later down the road but was not a factor in the race and that essentially um i guess technically speaking Alex had to, to continue finishing the race because Joseph was up there fighting for a win that could have really changed things but for all intents and purposes as long as Alex finished that race he was going to be uh, the champion from there when you got a chance to uh, to watch that the race back more from a, a fan's perspective uh, I know you had plenty going on for yourself at that point in the the race to worry about what uh what that move from ed might have meant for the the championship race but did that uh frustrate you in any way from a, a maybe from a more of a fan's point of view when you were watching the race back a day or two later oh big time uh you know i think i said to you on, on the podcast you know the thing i didn't want to get involved in was the championship battle in a negative way 
you know, I think those three guys. I also feel like I said you can never write off Joseph Newgarden. By the way, you did. Uh, you, did. you just can't. You can't. Uh, but I feel like I thought that Alex Palou might win the championship. So uh, I feel like maybe I called that okay. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, those three guys deserve to go and you know just battle out. You know, and the, and the race goes however the race goes, but. I think the the thing that stings for you know Pato for everybody at Aaron McLaren and SP is it really got the opportunity to fight got taken away. I, I personally don't think the outcome of the championship would have been any different, um, but at least you're still you're, you're in the fight trying to go for it. And at that point, you really don't know what's going to happen. Um, you know, I think clearly Ed was trying to make a move on uh, maybe Hinchcliffe. Yeah, but. Um, you know, and uh, man, it's such a it's such a tight last corner. Um, you know, and I I love that there are moves that can be done there. I honestly haven't seen that many that seem successful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, and I think certainly that you know, as a uh, uh, I think the right word as as looking at these guys as colleagues. Uh, mm. You know, I felt like. Alex Pato and Joseph deserve to go and just fight it out on track. You know, I just felt like a little bit of that got taken away with a, you know, unnecessary move, frankly. Um, intentional? Absolutely not. I don't think it was intentional at all, but, you know, yeah. I think that was a, it was a sad way to see one of the guys get eliminated. And, you know, he was obviously the closest threat, you know, in the championship. So, uh, you know, that was pretty, pretty disappointing, but, um, the actual race itself, I thought, was you know quite exciting, really. And I don't know how many times. I think Long Beach has produced you know a pretty interesting race, you know, quite a lot of times actually. So I think it was it was it was a great race to watch back. You know, a lot of drama, a lot of uh, you know yellows breeding yellows, as they say. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, and but I I thought that uh, to be completely honest, I I feel like Alex is an extremely worthy champion this season not just because he won you know race one and but i mean because he had such a mature year you know he took the points when he could he was aggressive when he needed to be he took the wins when they were there you know i mean he really put together an incredible season you know him with everybody at chip ganassi racing um you know i mean i mean that guy deserved it you know and i like truly deserved it and you know he shook off all that bad luck that he had it to the gateway that wasn't his fault like a champ um you know now he is one so i I thought that the the end the outcome for everybody i thought was uh uh not not on the way that pato's race ended you know but certainly with alex winning the championship i thought was a, a pretty fair reflection on his performances throughout the season yeah i think i think far and away um when you just talk about consistent excellence throughout this year i think uh, i personally came away feeling like the the championship went to the the right person i think with a couple things going differently i think joseph definitely could have um been in this race i mean when you you can even just go and look back the the change theoretically that happened with uh joseph 
you know, sputtering and, and limping to the finish line after having the lead going into the, the white flag at Road America uh, really essentially was the, the difference in the championship. I think Joseph maybe finished, I don't remember exactly off the top of my head and I don't have it in front of me, but I think he finished in second place around like 38 points back of Alex uh, when things finished at Long Beach. And Joseph went from from first to 21st on that final lap at Road America, uh, which I think takes him from, uh, if we're not talking about bonus points from like 50 points to, I want to say like nine points, so that he loses 41. Alex gains 10 going from 40 to 50. Um, and you add in your bonus points uh, that that even you know inflate that even more. Had that had his car not failed there, um, we we very well may be talking about uh, Joseph Newgarden, uh, you know, eking out uh, a season championship by finishing second with Alex Pillow in fourth, uh, which in some ways might have even made this. Um, this championship even closer and, and more down to the wire and exciting, but I I'm glad given how things had, had played out over the first 15 races, really I'm glad, uh, you know, when you see what happened there on lap one between Ed and Pato, glad that Alex finished the final race where he did. I'm glad he didn't, you know, finish 11th or 12th or 13th. Cause then you start getting into that, lap one event really meaning something i don't know that had that event not happened that you know there's no reason to think that alex would have then gone to finish 12th you know after he finished fourth so i don't think that that happening had any material effect on the championship when it actually played out um but i'm just glad that you know we we had that and it didn't turn into a bigger thing than it already kind of was i know it was frustrating certainly in the moment for the folks at air mclaren sp after they'd worked so hard uh and i'm sure there's a little bit of a a frustration of, of falling down to you know third in the championship after having been uh in the top two for for so much of the year uh but you know i i think pato um, said it multiple times to to me and to the media in general that in the grand scheme of things, you know, he was fighting for first place. And, and if he ended up second or ended up third, it wasn't going to to leave him feeling very different uh, when it when it all came down to it. So uh, a, a pretty exciting, uh, eventful end to an incredible IndyCar season uh, where it, I mean, it felt like. You know, if we were, I was looking back through when I was putting together my closing thoughts on the season. It just, I mean, I, I felt like this was probably the case when I thought back, um, generally speaking. But it really amazed me that there was something unique and special about every single one of these races that seemed like we might have been in the moment me talking about, like, man, this is the best race or one of the best races of the year um, minus maybe one or two. And it just seemed like that I continued to play out race after race and was, um, was a, an exciting season to, to be a part of. Oh, definitely. You know, I think when you look back at each one, um, yeah, I think Joseph at road America was probably the, the biggest one, but I think will power Detroit, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there's definitely a lot of, a lot of big things I feel like happened each weekend. Um, you know, and then I, I, I kind of thought about that myself the other day. 
and I was talking to my dad about it and he actually had a good perspective on it. And I think it's just because it's so competitive right now that where before, you know, those things happen and, you know, you kind of know it's going to happen to someone else. So you just kind of like kick the can down the road. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, this this time, you'd, everybody is so good. You know, the, the drivers are doing such a good job. You know, the, the teams are doing such a good job. Everyone pit lane is doing such a good job. You know, that you can't afford to give away any, like, cheap or easy points. You know, and I think that's what Alex did really well. He and his team, should I say, uh, you know, did, did really well. And I think everybody... And even he probably feels like a, you know, gateway could have gone different. But yeah. I think everyone up and down the pit lane, everyone up and down the pit lane always thinks things could have gone better and should have gone better and things like that. That's the nature of what we do. But I think truly this year you can look at it and you can pinpoint certain things each weekend and go, oh, that was, you know, interesting because the knock-on effect was X. And, you know, when you see how that all shimmy, shimmy and shakes out is, uh, you know, quite significant and what I thought was interesting about what you were saying is let's say Road America goes differently for for Joseph but then you look at some of the other guys who maybe weren't fighting for the championship but who were very quick a lot of the year you know if you have a bad race you can maybe recover from that if you have you know three or four man it's it's like impossible you know and I think to me you know the person who probably I feel like really was one of the fastest guys all season was Colton Herter. Mm-hmm. You know, for having such an incredible year that he had, they also sadly came with some lows, you know, and kind of outside of his control sometimes. Um, you know, but you look at it on speed, you know, consistency, he's quick every weekend. That's a guy who you feel like should have been fighting for the championship. You know, and it just, it's so close right now and it's so competitive right now. But I think you, we extra feel the pinch of something bad because the knock-on is so big. And in truth, it's so difficult to reclaim any points back on these guys. Yeah, I mean, I I, I thought that same way. I mean, it, um, frankly, it's always unfortunate. The, the driver that wins this final race of the year, unless they're one of those guys that's involved in the title chase, um, you know, kind of get looked over a little bit. Um, it's just kind of the the nature of the beast when you're you're wanting to you know really dive into the the champion of the season. Um, but I mean, when you take a step back from it, I mean, Colton won as many races as any any car driver did this year. He won as many races as the season champion and Alex Pillow. Um, no one won any more. He had three three poles. Uh, which I think was only bested by Joseph's four. Um, yeah, he just had. I, I I actually spent a little time because I was when I was reflecting on the season uh, in my closing thoughts column uh, story. I guess you would say that I uh, that ran. I think it was earlier this week on uh, IndyStar.com. You know, I started wondering a little bit because I wasn't quite remembering exactly what all had gone wrong in Colton's season that had him, you know, winning three races, taking three poles and still finishing. I mean, it's like, what is it? It's, uh, I'm looking at it now, 94 points back of, um, of, of Alex when it came down to it. He had the, uh, 
getting caught up in in Joseph's mess uh, in lap was it what was it lap one at Barber? Um, mm-hmm. He had some sort of mechanical failure after running really strong at uh, Texas race one. They kind of had a really weird uh, whole month of May at IMS uh, that you could say you know was maybe part of their own doing um 13th and 16th there um let's see looking ahead he had like three or four uh bad miscues for the team in the the pits uh the race at mid ohio where he finished 13th um should have probably finished second at least at nashville crashes on with uh just a couple laps to go and finishes 19th um finishes 18th at gateway with a a mechanical failure when he was either leading or near the lead of that race. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, it's, it's, you can start to understand how that, uh, 94 point gap from the lead, uh, of, of the championship was created. Not saying that he would have won this year. Uh, but I think you, you know, when you come down to it, when you just start, just talk about like when a driver is at his best, um, you know, at their peak performance, who is who is the top driver in this series? And I think you could start to maybe make an argument that 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 could be Colton. Um, hopefully, we'll get more of a chance to to see some more consistency out of that number twenty six Honda car team next year, um, and see if he can't be in that title fight even uh, a little bit better with you know whoever it may be between Alex and Pato and Joseph and. and Dixon and, uh, you know, who knows, is maybe his, his teammate Rossi back in there, Will Power, um, uh, Jack Harvey, Graham Rahal. I mean, it's it's such a deep, uh, deep series. <laughs> I mean, uh, maybe even Roman Grosjean. Um, I'm, I'm already excited, uh, looking forward to the 2022 season, and we've still got uh, several months to go. But I think these months will also move move very quickly we've still got lots of news uh on you know on driver movement probably these next six weeks or so and the whole series kind of winds down a little bit around the the holidays and once we hit january you guys are going to be on track i'm sure at least a couple times testing uh and we'll we'll have media days probably in early february and be in St. Pete uh, before the the month is over with. So I I imagine once we get four or five months down the road, we'll feel like it has uh, flown by fairly quickly. Um, Just kind of goes that way, mate. Every every off season flies by (laughs) every time. Uh, Looking back at this, this season of yours, um, you know, we're talking about the, the highs and the lows of other drivers. Do you have any moment uh, or moments, I guess, that stick out as your, you know, maybe your um, favorite moment of the season and, and the one that you were, were most frustrated with when you look back on everything? Uh, I mean, favorite moment of the season. Um, I, I really, I thought, you know, qualifying in the uh, GP in Road America were some of the, you know, some of the best laps I had driven in an Indy car. I was I was pretty proud of those those efforts. Uh, I thought our Portland race was was pretty good. Um, you know, I think a lot of a lot of good moments. Uh, not as many great moments as I would have really hoped for. And I think 
you know, when I look on the year, probably a feeling that I have is one of frustration, really, you know, that too many times we missed our potential. And I think that was what was frustrating was I think that if we really nailed our potential, you know, I think you're fighting for, you know, P6 and upwards in, in points, you know, with the pace we had early in the season, you know, and you start rattling off all the things that kind of didn't go well. I thought Texas really for us was a great weekend until we had the, uh, you know, the mechanical failure on the car. Um, you know, I would say the most frustrating moment on the on the season for me was when I thought we were in position to win the first race at Indy and we had that, you know, pit stop go, go wrong and we gave ourselves a puncture. Uh, you know, trying to get the wheel off, and you just go, "Wow, we were like on the on the cusp of on the cusp of winning." Um, you know, are they battling for the win at least? You know, I mean, I was on the same same strategy as as Renus, and you know, clearly had a lot of lot of speed there. You know, five seconds ahead of him when we came into the pits. Um, that was probably the most frustrating part of the season, but I felt like in that middle, I guess it wasn't really in the middle. I would say you know kind of once we got through the first few races that next like slog of what felt like six or seven races there was there was always just a something you know it kept going and it kept going i was like oh we surely have got to be coming out the other side you know of this soon um you know and kind of did kind of didn't you know and um you know i thought we had some incredible recoveries and you know a lot of really great moments on the year, I'd say my my favourite moment on the year was probably getting by Pato and Will Power on one of the restarts on the outside of in Texas Turn One. Uh, that was cool because I mean they're both pretty gnarly drivers, you know, to race hard with, and uh, you know that was fun. And you know, I certainly felt like I left Texas making new friends. Uh, you know, which is funny to reminisce about now. But um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, you know, I think trying to really pluck out the the really good bits, uh, you know, there's a few for sure. And uh, sadly, the, the frustrating parts you could probably keep talking about, but really it doesn't, uh, it doesn't matter now at this point. You know, I've, I so loved the season and, you know, I love, I love my life and I love what I get to do, you know, and I'd rather be frustrated, uh, you know, trying to hit our potential every weekend and, you know, go out there and try and do the best we can than, than not do this. Um but yeah, I mean, you know, it's been another year of, of learning and growing and, you know, trying to do better and better every time. Mm-hmm. What we we talked about the buildup of it for um, the couple months leading up to this season finale. But what and we've we've got some more questions from folks about it um, when we get to those here in just a few minutes. But um, what was that final race like with uh, with Meyer Shank racing as a team and, and all of the individual? individual people that you've spent so much of your life and so much of your racing life with um, when it all came down to it on Sunday at, at Long Beach? Yeah, I mean, it's been, it was one of the most emotional days I've had leaving the track. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so many feelings across the board from, you know, happy to sad. Um, you know, I've, I've definitely left the track frustrated before and whatnot. There's a couple of you know, big ticket moments in my life of, you know, that I thought were harder. I look back on, you know, and kind of normally judge like my bad days off, you know, is it really that bad? You know, that that was pretty bad. And I would say, you know, saying bye to the team on that Sunday probably is, 
is going to reset my emotional uh, level, you know, at the track because it's hard. You know, I'll have endless respect for for Michael Shank, his wife MB, you know, Jim Meyer, everyone at Automation, Sirius XM, and they took a risk on me. I took a risk on them, and what this has grown into is beyond anything I could have hoped for. Uh, and Uh, you know, it, it's still not easy always to like talk about, you know, I have so much respect for everyone and a lot of mm, difficult feelings. I I still feel like, oh, I, I know that I've made the right decision, um, you know, and the respect, the team for respecting me, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll wait and see, obviously, how everything shimmy and shakes out. But um, yeah, pretty, pretty, pretty tough day, mate. That was actually, I have to, I have to admit. Was it um, was it more emotional? Was it like different emotions than what you you know kind of expected or like projected in your mind that that Sunday was was going to be like, or did it kind of play out? Um, luckily, I, I guess you know at least with a notwithstanding um, with the you know the qualifying issue that you guys had but you know at least with a, a fairly strong race performance and recovery to to show did everything still you know kind of go and feel like as you might have imagined it would uh, I mean it was a great it was a great race and I think that having that race go that way felt like and I don't normally say this because I don't believe we really owed anything right you you go out and you try and work really hard to get the result you know that we can the best one we can um i just kind of had a feeling that we were going to have a good day and you know when i got out of the car i was happy because we had a great recovery but then you also realize that that's the last time you're going to do that and you know i don't know if anyone saw the videos or anything after but you know i had a pretty long hugs with with everyone on the team and you know the bit that people need to remember is it i know the drivers have been with teams for a long time Mm-hmm. But I don't know how many drivers have been with the team from their very first race and been through so many things that we have together. And they're not just, you know, emotions they are just, you know, evaporate, uh, you know, and that's why my feelings towards the teams, you know, haven't really changed. You know, I, I love all the guys and the girls there, you know, they're incredible people. Um, you know, so getting out of the car, you, again, it's that complex feeling again where you're really happy but you also know it's the last time you're going to do it you know and I have to say I think one of the things I felt leaving the track with the team on that last race was actually a little relief I was I was really happy that we finished on a good note uh you know because I think we can all remember that we can you know nicely now everybody turn the page uh, you know obviously I saw the team announce Simon and you know, I, I really, really like Simon as a person. Uh, you know, he was incredibly kind to me when I first came to, to America. Guy I respect a lot. And, you know, I know he's going to be, you know, really competitive uh, in, in that car. And, uh, you know, obviously I wish everybody, I wish them all the best of luck. Hopefully they finish second, you know, every race behind us next year. Um, you know, but it's, it's a great group of, it's a great group of guys and girls. Uh, you know, I feel very proud to have been, you know, the, the driver for my shank racing you know, for so many years to represent Alternation and Sirius XM. You know, the amount of money that we raised as part of the Dry Pink campaign, you know, from when I first joined to now is just an astonishingly high number. Um, 
and I think honestly it just shows the sort of people that the team had a, had around them. You know, a lot of really nice, genuine people who who care about obviously on track performances and results. They care about their businesses, but they also care about people. Um, you know, and I think in terms of racing bosses come, I think Michael, you know, takes uh, takes the prize for being the best one that I've had to deal with uh, so far, and you know, had the pleasure of working with so far. And um, yeah, obviously, I've, you know, I wish them all the best because at the end of the day, these guys are my friends as well as you know competitors now. Sure, that's a great way to end it we've got um some questions now we'll cycle through from folks that left these on twitter um uh, a great combination of uh light-hearted and, and serious racing questions the first one that we will get to uh is from andrew krahulik um a non-racing related question he asks how does jack and other drivers deal with everyday traffic is it hard to separate your profession from your yeah. Uh, it's a pain in the bum, just like it is for everybody else. Uh, actually, I was, I was, I was sat in traffic. Me and me and Nathan were just, uh, you know, chatting for about ten minutes while I was driving back, and it was pouring rain. So thanks for indulging me on that. Um, you know, while I was sat in traffic, uh, it's just annoying, mate. You know, just it kind of stops your day, same as everybody else. But uh, I'm, just, I'm not a lane hopper. You know, I kind of think that disrupts the flow of traffic. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so sadly, you know, sometimes you're in it. You just gotta. You just got to try and take a breath and you'll get there when you get there. It's just, uh, I just, I hate being stuck in traffic. It's like the most unproductive, you know, part of your day. And there's nothing you can do apart from sit there. The only good news is my, you know, my Honda Pilot's an automatic. So I don't have to worry about clutching in every time the car comes to a stop. So pretty happy about that today. That is uh, certainly uh, a blessing around here. I know uh, Indiana roads are, are well, not Indiana as a whole state, but Indianapolis roads, uh, especially during the winter, are uh, no dream to to drive on in traffic. I think it only probably makes it worse. But um, another good it's question. It's pretty bleak sometimes. Yeah, sure is, especially when you get around downtown. I think they've gotten some of these potholes a little bit better, but it's still, uh, it can be, uh, I think some folks call them landmines uh, in some ways. I would say that's an accurate description. <laughs> <laughs> it can mess up your car pretty good if you hit one the wrong way, especially if you're going uh, even the speed limit in some places. Uh, and it, uh, like, it's, it's so hard that it almost feels like it's ricocheted through your body <laughs> and like out the top of your head. Like you kind of, you just kind of like pat the top of your head to make sure everything's still like where it's meant to be. There's some, there's some that I've hit and legitimately been surprised that my tire did not blow uh, and just like yeah uh explode on impact um which uh oh what a terrible feeling when you get out and you just kind of creep to where you know it was and you do that really slow peak hoping that it's just like that you know that the rim is still intact and the tire ain't gone flat on a bulge or anything like that i mean yeah. man it's just like the most terrible like few moments it's like when you drop your phone and, you, and it's face down and you don't oh, dare God. pick it up you're like let's just leave it on the ground for a few minutes you know, let me just let me process what this is going to be, and then you tentatively pick it up, and it's just a moment of like either instant relief or just like, oh no, my worst fear just happened. 
I have shattered uh, a phone screen in my past, and it's uh, not a uh, not a fun thing to have to. It's like your like life goes in slow motion when that phone is tumbling yeah. to the floor. Um, all right, good one here from uh, Jeremy FitJ1983 on Twitter asks uh with max chilton already present uh callum islet signing on and the potential of dan tictum joining who does mr harvey see as the next brit coming over to explore the great series known as indycar oh that's a great question uh, i wish i had a better answer to that i mean sadly i, I don't know uh, i hadn't actually heard that you know dan tictum was looking at indycar but i think with his his carlin relationship that probably makes sense um, you know, I really like uh, Callum. I think he's been really fun to, you know, I've always been like just a little ahead of him, just come a little bit older. You know, obviously I followed his career from go-karting onwards, um, you know, and really happy that he's going to get to race with Newcastle uh, next year and uh, whatnot. But I haven't, I haven't actually heard the rumor mill yet for European drivers that are looking to come over. I feel like, you know, a lot of their season in some ways is still, playing out and you know some things are trying to still come to fruition there so um I, I wish i had i wish i had a better answer i think the thing we're all really hoping for at the minute is that you know carlin as a team you know staying in indycar racing in some capacity you know it's nice to have you know from my side anyway it's nice to have for some of the guys that i've known for so long you know familiar face uh you know in america being you know all British and whatnot is, uh, you know, really nice sometimes. And, um, yeah, I've, I've, you know, I've read the articles about, you know, where they're at right now, but, um, yeah, I'm just hopeful that maybe we could keep a few of these Brits out here and, you know, maybe bring a, maybe bring a few more over. But I also think that, you know, IMSA is looking quite strong right now. And, you know, I think that'll be a really strong series in the few years to come as well. So I think there'll be, uh, I think there'll be plenty, plenty over here. We just, I'm not sure who they'll be yet. That's a great point. We'll look out for more in the future. Um, Neil Wooding asks, uh, did you get slash give any farewell presents to and from uh, Andy, Dale, Darren, and the guys on the 60? Uh, and who bought the drinks post-race in Long Beach? Uh, well, actually, I took the, I took the drinks in pre-race. <laughs> Uh, but mostly because of how bad I felt after we crashed the car, um, which was also a funny story. I didn't realize that Michelob was actually called Michelob. I thought it was called Micklebob. <laughs> okay. And uh, my spotter and my manager's name is Bob. Okay. Uh, and he thought that I was making fun of him, where in fact I wasn't doing such a thing at all. And then the guys got quite a good kick out of... Uh, and I'm, and I'm truly mean. I thought it was Micklebob. Uh, I didn't realize it was Micklebob. Um, so I took the beers in before the race, you know, to have with the guys after the race, obviously. It's driving, and that's not safe. Um, yeah, what I, what I did for the guys is I'll, I'll send you a photo of what they ended up looking like. Uh, I had a poster kind of done in a Star Wars theme, you know, just said thank you with some of like our, you know, some really cool photos of the car and, you know, kind of different time spans across it uh, just to say thanks to to all the guys for the hard work and uh, they actually gave me a, a small piece of the front wing uh, end fence that had been signed by uh, you know all the mechanics and I actually did that for everybody not just the uh, 60 guys but the 06 guys you know for our, for our Honda representative and whatnot some of the Andretti guys who work with us closely 
um, you know, for all the sponsors and everything. I mean, I think and on Saturday night, I think I ended up signing about 60 uh, these posters or whatnot. So, um, yeah, I mean, we've been together so long. I want, you know, I wanted them to have a little momentum or token, uh, as it were, to, uh, you know, try and remember, you know, the good times that we had. Good. Um got a good one here from Mick Leak, and I can't remember if we've gotten this question before, so I'll just go ahead and leave it in. Uh, and if we have, it'll be one that we can uh, answer fairly quickly. Uh, he says, if IndyCar was to have one race in England, which track would you like to see it at? He says, my pick mm. uh, is uh, Donington, um, and then says in parentheses, actually, it's Caldwell Park, but that would never happen. Caldwell Park? I think I think yeah. he spelled yeah, Caldwell, C A L D W E. Yeah, Caldwell. Yeah, yeah, so Caldwell Park's a really famous like motorbike track in the UK, but they do have some road racing on it. Uh, it's particularly famous for a section called the Mountain, uh, where quite often cars will take off, like literally oh. all four wheels come off the ground. It's pretty cool. Um, if I was going to choose a race to do in the UK, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a I'm a member of the PRDC. I have been for a long time. I love Silverstone. It'd be really hard to like not say Silverstone. It's the home of British motorsport. That being said, I feel like you know Donington Park uh, would be a great fit for IndyCar. I think Brands Hatch GP would also be a really good fit for IndyCar. Um, and I think you know what we got into last time when I think this question came up before. If you compare to like Cota, you know, or Austin, that is an awesome track in an F1 car, but not really designed with an IndyCar in mind. Mm-hmm. And you know some of these tracks just race a little bit better, and I think just the you know the the driving pleasure of Silverstone versus driving at Brands is you know Silverstone's an incredible racetrack. I mean a premier track worldwide. Brands Hatch GP would be very well suited to the IndyCar, and therefore maybe more suitable for us to have a race there. So uh, if I was going to pick two, you know I'd pick Donington Park or uh, Brands Hatch GP. If I was going to pick one, I would say you know Brands Hatch. Uh, GP, which I know IndyCar did race there in the past, uh, or maybe it was Champ Car, you know, when they were there last. Um, you know, but honestly, at this point, I would just be happy to to go and race anywhere. You know, I, I think it'd just be really fun to uh, you know get the series back into a a place of doing some you know international races again. Uh, you know, obviously I know we do Toronto, but you know, it's still kind of part of North America. It'd be fun to you know do something outside of those uh, outside of those walls be fun i i this has gotten brought up a, a lot in uh in recent weeks between uh mark miles kind of like end of the year press conference and i even brought it up in a, a chat i had with roger penske and a, a q a that i posted um i think earlier this week uh on indiestar.com just about the the prospect of international races outside of uh canada uh i know it's a not a thing that indy cars really focus too heavy on right now because that they really want to um kind of perfect their outreach in the united states i think it totally makes sense i think you want to have um you know your home base as strong as it can possibly be before you branch out and there's also lots of cost implications that come into you know having a an international race like that you got to have a sponsor that's uh know really really able to uh to put lots of money down and and help teams get everything over there to to hold such an event but i I do hope at the same time um you know as we see 
the international attention of the series grow, I, I hope that there's an opportunity in some way that we can have uh, the series explore some of that and, and reach some fans in, in some different countries. Because I do have to think as, as much as this sport is growing internationally right now, uh, just racing in the United States and, uh, and Canada, hopefully moving forward. Uh, with the, the international names that we have, I think that would just you know take off exponentially if you can add a a race in England or uh, uh, I mean I'm not sure well sure where else where we would go maybe you know maybe even on the the North America side try out uh, somewhere in Mexico um, or uh, I mean once you get past those uh, I mean you got so many opportunities in in Europe let alone and we've got a, a good amount of our paddock that's from there so I think that would be a, a really really cool um, direction. For this series, you know, even if it's say you know five, ten years down the road, um, once uh, it continues to hopefully grow on this trajectory. Uh, uh, one last question I even thought of um, myself when I was at the uh, victory celebration that IndyCar had uh, back last Friday. It was a week ago. Um, Alex Pillow, of course, with his affinity for fried chicken. Um, you know, the IndyCar had a small basket of it on each table there, which I thought was a nice touch. And it got me wondering mm. if you uh, were to win an IndyCar championship and had a, a chance to, you know, bring your own flair uh, to the the meal. Is there like one thing that would be like, okay, this is all this is all about Jack Harvey? Um, you know, if we were having that, that same sort of victory celebration meal. Yeah, let's see. I, my, very often, uh, my post-race meal is like a, a Neapolitan pizza, you know, where we just have like a margarita or some like prosciutto on top of it. Uh, but my signature go-to on a pizza is putting an egg in the middle and then cooking it like a fried egg. Okay. Like that. Okay. Uh, so that's that's high on my list. And uh, I'm a big dessert guy too. So, but I actually kind of like plain ice cream, you know. So we just have some like vanilla ice cream with some like chocolate sauce or you know something like that and that's a pretty it's a pretty happy jack right there it's a good way to do it they uh they had a pretty solid dessert bar there i will say but uh i could have i could have definitely used some ice cream that sounds uh really sure. good right about now and we're getting pretty late in the day and uh need to eat dinner so maybe i'll end up uh having a bowl of ice cream here if i stop by the store on the way home from uh from ims you're gonna get ice cream. I can I can feel it. That's it's, it's gonna happen. Between <laughs> craving it right now, uh, I, I don't think I would have to twist the arm of my um, pregnant wife too much to uh, to get her to to want some ice cream. So I think that's probably uh, going to happen here on my way home from the trek. I am going to go to the any, gym. So I'm any, going to any unusual uh, any unusual uh, pregnancy cravings. She's not, um, surprisingly so. She, um, yeah, she's had fairly normal um, in that sense. I'm kind of, she's, uh, um, you know, in her third trimester now. So um, interested to see if some of that, you know, kicks into high gear once we get down the, the closing stretch. Um, but no, no, uh, you know, like, I, I can't even think of some of like the weird, uh, pregnancy cravings that I've heard some some friends talk about. You know, you hear like uh, pickles. 
Gross. Yeah, pickles. Pickles were the was the one thing I was trying to think of. Like what weird thing you could put on top of like like pickles and chocolate saucers. I don't know. That, that would oh. be pretty weird in my eyes. Um, we have, we have <laughs> that's, not, that's a lot yeah. weird. That that might just be a you thing. <laughs> we have not gotten to uh, uh, that level of uh, pregnancy yet by uh, by any stretch of the imagination. So, uh, but I will uh, go to the gym and uh, get a little bit of cardio and a little bit of lifting in and then uh, go and throw it all away and buy myself some ice cream on the way home here. There you go. All right. Well, uh, we will end this week's episode there, as I'm sure you guys have probably all seen now. Um, sounds like we have uh, an exciting week for you and uh, an IndyCar here here next week some announcements to come so stay tuned for that uh and we will hopefully uh be able to hop on once all of that news settles and uh hear a little bit more from jack on his uh exciting new plans for the 2022 indycar season uh before too long next week so we'll um, maybe finally be able to answer some of these questions that, uh, that lots of folks have been asking mm. that we've been able to tackle on here. So, uh, we'll do another outreach for questions for that episode next week, uh, that you guys can leave and we can discuss all of that in a little bit more detail. But for now, um, thanks again, Jack, for, uh, um, coming back to the, the States and, uh, taking some time to, uh, record, a, another episode with us this week. Yeah, thank you, Nathan. Thanks for uh, having me on this all season. Uh, hopefully, everybody who's listening has got a kick out of it. Hopefully, we try to give a little bit more of a, uh, you know, an honest perspective on how things are, are going. It's what I always try and do. Uh, you know, this really has been uh, has been good fun. So, uh, thank you so much for letting me be a part of it with you. Absolutely. Um, thanks, as always, um, for for being part of this journey for uh, for letting us inside your IndyCar season. I know I think our fans have really enjoyed it um, and it's been a really fun way to, you know, kind of chart through this season uh, and, and not only get a, an expert's perspective on what's going on in the series at large, but get an expert perspective on uh, on someone's own journey who's, who's living it uh, day to day. So with that, uh, thanks, of course, all of you for listening. As always, each week in each episode and uh, be sure to tune in next week for uh, another episode of IndyCar Weekly.